and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 59, we'll be talking about animals, baby animals, and more. I'm sure this comes as no surprise, but we read a lot of books to our little one, which means that I have read a ton of children's books that focus on animals and their babies. So I asked myself, do we talk a lot about the different animal names in Spanish? While I originally thought all you had to do in Spanish was add ito or ita to make an animal a baby, such as perrito for perro and gatito for gato. After doing some research, I found that there are, in fact, different, more specific animal names in Spanish. Hence this new three-part series on animal names, with the first two episodes focusing on the specific terms for animals and their babies, followed by the final episode focusing on collective names, you know, group names like herd or flock. I hope you enjoy it, or at the very least, that it equips you to help teach the little ones in your life the different animal names in Spanish. So, let's begin! One thing to note, in Spanish, you can say cría, with an accent on the I, cría, to refer to an animal baby, which, as I understand it, is more common than saying bebé. So if you don't know if there is a specific term for a baby animal, you can just say cría, like cría de ave, baby bird or chick, or cría de tortuga, baby turtle or hatchling. So let's start with our favorite animals, our pets. So a dog would be el perro, and its pup or puppy would be perrito or cachorro, cachorro. For a cat or un gato, you would say it has a kitten or a kitty, and you could call it a gatito or cachorro, gatito or cachorro. So for both dog and cat, you can say their crias are cachorros, or you can differentiate with perrito and gatito. Now, for a fish, like a goldfish, you could say el pez, or el pez dorado, right? Fish, el pez, goldfish, pez dorado. Now remember, in Spanish, you use el pescado when you're referring to fish as food, so it's different than el pez. So your pet goldfish would be un pez, P-E-Z, but the salmon you're eating for dinner is un pescado, P-E-S-C-A-D-O, pescado. Anyway, a fry or fingerling, what we call a baby fish in English, in Spanish would be alevin. Alevin. That's A-L-E-V-I with an accent, N. Now a rabbit or un conejo, rabbit, un conejo, in Spanish we would call a bunny, a kitten, or a kit a gazapo. Gazapo. And Something interesting about the word gazapo is that it also means a blooper or a slip of the tongue, a lie, or it could even be that you're talking about a man who has hidden cleverness. I've included a link if you'd like to check more of that out, but seriously, who knew? Now, a turtle, la tortuga, turtle, la tortuga, while in English we have a specific name for the baby, a hatchling, in Spanish you would just say cría de tortuga, cría de tortuga. And for a snake, because there are people who love snakes as pets, I am not one of them, but to each his own. So for a snake, or la serpiente, la serpiente, you would also say cría de serpiente. Even though in English we have snakelet, neonate, or hatchling, it's still in Spanish cría de serpiente. 
Now, our following list highlights animals that you might run into in your daily life, especially during your walk to the park or on a hike through the mountains. So we have goose, el ganso, goose, el ganso, and it's gosling, el ansarino, gosling, el ansarino. You have the fox or el zorro, fox or el zorro, and it's kit, el cachorro, kit, el cachorro, similar to pup or kitten, right? Then you have la puma, mountain lion, la puma, mountain lion, and it's cub, el cachorro, cub, el cachorro. Then we've got a duck, el pato, duck, el pato, and duckling would be el pavipollo, or you could say pavesno. So el pavipollo or pavesno. Then you've got coyote, el coyote, el coyote, coyote, and it's cachorro or cub, pup. We even say whelp in English, right? So cachorro. You'll notice that there's a lot of cachorros. Fox, mountain lion, coyote, dog, cat, all of their babies can be called cachorros. The same word can also be applied to tiger cubs. So el cachorro. Now a deer, el ciervo, deer, el ciervo, its baby is called a calf or a fawn in English, and in Spanish, it would be el cervato or cervatillo. El cervato or cervatillo. For a moose or un alce, un alce, moose. In English, we call it a calf, but in Spanish, just call it la cría de alce. La cría de alce. Now, for wolf or un lobo, wolf or un lobo, it would be a pup or a whelp, right, in English, but in Spanish it's el lobesno, el lobesno, so the E-Z-N-O ending again, el lobesno. And the same, interestingly enough, is going to be true for el oso, the bear, as well. Bear, or un oso, you would call its cub un osesno, un osesno. I'm intrigued by this E-Z-N-O ending, and if anyone knows any more about it, please reach out to me, I would love to learn more. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about the insects that you might see on your walk, because what life would be complete without talking about the insects that continually invade it, right? Of course. So, grasshopper, or un saltemontes, saltemontes, you could also call it a chapulín, chapulín with an accent on the I, and this is what you would call them in Latin America, right? Saltemontes or chapulín. And... If you look at the word saltamontes really carefully, it looks like the combination of the verb saltar, which means to jump, and the plural noun montes, which means hills, forest, or even vegetation. So while I don't know the official history of this word, it looks like it could mean hill jumper or forest jumper, which would be really cool if that's how they came up with it. Anyways, a baby grasshopper, if you will, we call a nymph, but in Spanish you would say la ninfa, la ninfa, so really similar there. A ladybug is called la mariquita, la mariquita, and its offspring are larvae, and in Spanish you call it larva as well, la larva, larva. Now according to wordreference.com, ladybug in Mexico is la catarina, la catarina, and in Argentina it's la vaquita de San Antonio, la vaquita de San Antonio. And it all sounds like little cow. So if anyone knows the history behind that, please let me know. That sounds intriguing. And then finally, in Colombia, ladybug is la chinita. 
la chinita. Now, a bee, la abeja, bee, la abeja, is also larva. So, la larva, larva. Pretty straightforward. A spider, or la araña, the spider, or la araña, in English we say spiderling, which is almost cute for something that looks like a spider, but its offspring is called la cría de araña, la cría de araña. You could probably also say arañita, right, adding that ita to the word, but there's no specific name that I was able to find, so la cría de araña. And last, but certainly not least, the beautiful butterfly. So, la mariposa, butterfly, la mariposa. And there are numerous names depending on which phase of the butterfly's life cycle you are referring to. So in English, we call it a larva, a caterpillar, a chrysalis, or a pupa. And in Spanish, the equivalent to all of those would be la larva, oruga, chrysalida, with an accent on the A, or pupa. So, la larva, oruga, chrysalida, or pupa. So, larva, caterpillar, chrysalis, or pupa. And that's all for today, because who wants to listen to a long, long list just go on and on and on? Not me. So we'll finish up the next episode with wild animals, like lions, tigers, and gorillas, followed by the final episode on collective animal nouns. While this episode is based on my research, it is by no means definitive. So please, if you know of more specific names, or if I missed any for these particular lists, please send them my way. In the meantime, let's go ahead to our cultural tip, the first one on Peru. So the full name of Peru is the Republic of Peru, or República del Peru. And while it is smaller than Alaska, just a little bit, it is almost twice as big as Texas, which is incredible because Texas is a huge state. So the total area of Peru is more than 1.285 million square kilometers. It is located in South America, and it's south and east of Ecuador, south of Colombia, north of Chile, and west of Bolivia and Brazil. To the west of Peru is the Pacific Ocean. Now its government type is a presidential republic, and the capital city is Lima. So. Peru has a president, President José Pedro Castillo Terrones, and it has a prime minister, but he doesn't have executive power. Only the president has that. Legislative power rests with the Congreso de la República de Peru, or the unicameral Congress of the Republic of Peru. It has 130 seats that are, and I quote the World Factbook, directly elected in multi-seat constituencies by closed party list proportional representation vote to serve single five-year terms. Unquote. Is that clear as mud? Because I certainly don't understand what that's supposed to mean. It kind of sounds almost like how Germany's elections go, but I honestly don't know. I'm very confused. Anyways, the judicial power rests with the Supreme Court, which is made up of 16 judges. It is divided into three sectors, civil, criminal, and constitutional. The National Board of Justice, made up of seven members, proposes a justice who is then nominated by the president and confirmed by Congress. Interestingly enough, Justices must retire at 70. Now, the religion of Peru, at least as of 2017, is about 60% Roman Catholic, 14.6% Christian, and the rest are either not religious or unspecified. The official language of Peru 
is really interesting. So it actually has three. Spanish, which is 82.9% of the population as of 2017. Chechua, which is 13.6%, and Aymara, which is 1.6%. And both Chechua and Aymara are indigenous languages. And the currency of Peru is the Nuevo Sol, or P-E-N. So a brief history of Peru. While Peru has had numerous and diverse cultures and people groups, the ones you've most likely heard of are the Incas. This empire began small in the 12th century, but eventually spread across a large territory, including Peru, a lot of Ecuador, and parts of Chile and Bolivia. Now, in the 16th century, the Spaniards came and crushed the Inca Empire, making Peru their viceroy. We've talked about the large push for independence across Latin America in other episodes, such as the history of Chile's Fiestas Patrias in episode 58, and the cultural tips on Argentinian holidays in episodes 56 and 55. But General José de San Martín declared Peru independent on July 28, 1821. After that, Peru's political sphere was quite unstable, having had a dictator, several military coups, domestic terrorist groups, and now several presidents. It appears that, politically and economically, it has become a bit more stable in the 21st century. Or at least it did. Looking at the World Factbook summary, there was still a lot of political change. President Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, sorry for butchering that, Goddard narrowly won election in 2016, but resigned in 2018 with threats over impeachment because he was involved in vote buying. Good grief. And then his VP, Martin Alberto Vizcarra Cornejo, became president. He then dissolved Peru's Congress, he actually has the constitutional authority to do that, in 2019, with new congressional elections in 2020. Congress then impeached him over accusations of corruption and COVID-19 mismanagement, but Peruvians did not like the congressional president becoming president, Manuel Merino, and there were many large protests leading to his resignation. So Francisco Sagasti, the new president of Congress, then became Peru's new president. Are you following along? Finally, José Pedro Castillo Terrones won the 2021 election and is Peru's current president. Phew, that's a lot of change in such a short time frame. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about Spanish culture or grammar, or if you need a personal tutor or language consultant for your business, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego!